0: Welcome to Every Step Podcast. I'm Christina Weston. And I'm Judith Beck. Every Step is the podcast where career and life meet. With a new guest every episode, we explore the gutsy issues affecting
1: everyone in
0: the workplace. Today, we are joined by Dr. Simone Scoble, an international leader in healthcare and a medtech pioneer. Simone is a highly regarded physician and a revered occupational medicine specialist. In our conversation, we discuss the changing nature of workplace health and where employer responsibility starts and stops. Welcome, Simone. So fantastic to have you on the show today. For many people, what they now experience as a workplace has changed significantly compared to workplaces of five years ago. We all used to schlep into the office every day and now many of us are either working remotely, full-time or part-time. And my observation is, and Judith and I have been talking about this a fair bit, is that this has given rise to an alarming list of physical health, mental health and safety issues. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, Judith and I have been chatting about it a lot. We also have this sense that the employer is more responsible for things than they ever used to be. They're more responsible for not just health and safety but mental health and that all of that is has changed from what it was. Is that our perception, or is that really happening? I mean, what is actually happening on the health front in the workplace with all of that backdrop?
2: I just got um, I'm covered in tingles because it's 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 true. And I'm an occupational physician, so my specialty in medicine is looking at, you know, the effects of work on health and the effects of work on uh, health on work and what you're noticing is is true um my tagline i say to all the companies that we look after is you know make sure your people are working from home and not living at work because mm. it's different you know in my case i have a home office Um, I have a child who has a desk in his bedroom there would be more families than less that don't have the privilege of and it is a privilege to have space where you can go and work and so um, I've just helped a young uh, a young man do a postgraduate thesis looking at exactly this what if you're a mum of three children uh, and your workplace is the kitchen table and the kids are being homeschooled for whatever reason, not that that's happening anymore. And your your partner might work shift work. And so you're on your own trying to wrangle everything, trying to get your work done. Um, and it it has had considerable impact on our health, mostly through lifestyle factors, actually. So, yeah, just I just say to people, make sure you're working from home and not living at work, which is what it can feel like if you don't get a chance to pack everything away and, and come home, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, there seemed to be a lot of um, physical issues. You, you were saying health factors and lifestyle factors. And um, one of the things that we notice is when when we were all going, for, for knowledge workers, when we were all going into the office, we did all these incidental steps. We would walk to the bus stop or walk to the ferry and then we'd walk off the ferry and, and we would go out for a walk at lunch or we'd do a walk and talk or we'd walk to go and see a client. And... Are those the sorts of lifestyle changes, not just the fact, the ergonomics of the new workplace, but is it also those sorts of lifestyle issues that are impacting people's health?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And so you'll have to forgive me for just quickly glancing to my left. I've got a screen with documents and things. I just this morning received the latest data around exactly the lifestyle factors and other things which we may get to. So what has uh, come out of the NHMRC is that um, 29% of parents had increased alcohol consumption more than 20% of what they would normally drink. So, again, it's people at home with children trying to cope, if you like. um, 35% of Australians have put on 10% of weight. I mean, these are really big numbers when you think about the obesity crisis or the overweight crisis we have anyway. Uh, 25% national reduction in physical activity levels happened during the pandemic, and one in three people developed or had a worsening of an existing mental health condition. I mean, I've got, I get a little choked up because These things are um, really big things and difficult to treat and difficult for people to talk about. God, listen to me, isn't that weird? Um, And then 80% of Australians contracted COVID-19. Interestingly, I have never had COVID-19. And we just don't know what's happening about um, the effects of long COVID, about the physical and psychological effects of a very legitimate condition, which is this COVID post-viral type of syndrome but you think about that so it's alcohol weight um activity and mental health they're very very big topics um resultant of people kind of being working from home if you like
1: and we used to make total sense to me because when i sort of think okay if i bring it back being in the office And thinking in the old days, you're in the office, you're working to six, then you get in your car and you're driving home, it might take you an hour and a half, you're exhausted. By the time you get home, you may or may eat something, you may or may or whatever, whatever depending on the situation. But now if you're working from home and you clock off, oh, I think I'll clock off at 435, I'll have a few wines, I'll eat a little bit more, might not do the exercise that I thought I was going to do because I'll do that, then I might come back into my office. Yeah, I hear that all the time too. People are saying I've gained weight, I'm drinking more, you know, all this, because the other thing is they're, they don't, like you said, Simone, they don't have um, all all uh, um, all the time the privilege of having a separate office. So they're not actually getting ready for work. Like they're not actually, they're just kind of, you know, going to the computer and they probably still have their track pants on and they're not like, getting ready to work with the work mind going in and I'm going to work this this these hours I'll take a break at lunch and I'll do my walk or whatever they're not doing that it's kind of all blurring in how do how are companies how do how will employers help with that mm-hmm. how will they be able or do they need to help what do they need to do yeah they definitely need to help
2: um, we we need companies actually to understand that this is a thing this is not like a flash in the pan. This is this is actually a thing. You think about, and I just shared this with someone, a new hire in our business this week. Um, and he said, oh, you know, what's the working from home policy? And I'm like, We're talk- we talk about output, you know, this is not ours. So it's our output, not ours. But there's definitely, I'm old school, so there's definitely a framework around, well, I would prefer you to be in the office actually, but, you know, that's not what the rules kind of say. And and employers, I'm the CEO of a multinational healthcare company, we have to be understanding that I'm the minority that wants people in the office every day from eight until six. But I'm, I'm old school and that's where I work best. So, and he was like, yeah, what happened before the pandemic? This guy's young, very smart, young guy. And I said, it was almost anxiety provoking to ask your boss to have a day off. Like I remember when I was the medical director of a couple of large multinational organisations and it would be my son's athletics carnival, for example. And I would would be thinking for days before, I wonder if I can have that morning off. I wonder if I could actually work from home. Like this was only three years ago when you... Couldn't articulate I needed to work from home for a day because it was such a foreign concept. And now it's almost the norm. Most companies that are in this headspace are asking people to be at work more than they're not. So full time five days, they would like you there three. If it's four days, they'd really like you there Three, you know, if you work three days, they want you there too. They do want people, and and, and most companies are trying to get those days to sync, so there is a bit of face to face contact, and not kind of slipping in on a Monday and slipping in on a Friday when everyone else is working from home. So yeah, I think the greatest, my message to companies is this is actually a thing. So get your flexible working policies clear. Um, and then watch out. I, I wrote a LinkedIn post about this recently. Watch out for people that continue to say, Oh, I've just got to be at home today because the carpenter's coming. I've just got to be at home today because the kids are coming home from school. Because we worry about the mental health of people that can't get up, dress up, and show up in the office. So that whole get up, dress up, and turn up, if you're used to being at home, and you're comfortable there and you're starting to get depressed you're probably not going to want to go to the office if you don't have that clear policy what does working you know in this company look like we can miss people who are hanging out at home not feeling very well and that's even
0: more so the case if the organization is the is is majority remote where people are working remotely And whilst we've got an insight into people's lives now more than we ever did before, because you're in my office, you're in in Judith's office right now, um, we're in home offices, people get more of an insight, you know, they see our dogs walk past and our cats cross tables and all sorts of things. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's just this really there's this really big shift going on in terms of where does the employer's responsibility start and stop? Because it used to be that Mm. you left your baggage at the door and you came to work, and now the baggage is everywhere. Like I say that, you know,
2: Mm. our baggage is everywhere. Mm it's um i'm sorry christina it's it's a huge topic because you think about workers compensation you know is work the major and most significant contributing factor to the development of the condition tell how many times i've said that in my life so what is work is work going to the fridge at lunchtime in your kitchen and someone has left spilt some water on the floor and you slip over is that is that work have you slipped over at work have you not slipped over at work and no one's got it right yet, and unfortunately, and I'm sort of on my sidewalks a little. The the um workers' compensation legislation is state by state. So depending where you work, if you're a national business, the people in unless you're self-insured, the people in Queensland have a very different policy and viewpoint about some things compared to New South Wales, compared to Victoria, like very different, and. Yeah, so, so so what does happen? What about the chair at the kitchen table being, you know, too tall and so you sit all day at your thing like this because it's fine where you sit there and eat your dinner for 20 minutes, but if you're typing all day and you have a neck problem, is that work's problem? Is that your problem? So, you know, it is really about edu- knowing knowing your boundaries, knowing what your policy is and then educating people to look after themselves. So I have a... I have a firm view that we all—we're uh, not stupid people—that are c- going to work every day probably know how if their chair's too tall for their kitchen table, and so it's probably up to the company to remind people what ergonomic optimization looks like. And you know, does the company then go and buy a new chair? Do you have to buy a new chair? It's—it's—it's it's, it's still a very big grey area. We're not—not not really
0: clear. And the horse has bolted. You know, we, there's no turning back
1: now. The, well, you know what, we kind of, I have to challenge something here because you we, we are seeing people on Zoom and we could say we have an insight into their house, but we really only have an insight of what they want you to see. So right now my background looks really tidy, but in front of me, it's a mess. <laughs> right? Because I don't want you to see the mess, but right now that's really good. And a lot of people will see. Now, when I have my employer hat on, when I had consultants and things like that, when they come into the office and their persona is different and they're feeling, and I can see them walking around and, and interacting, and it might not be normal as an, as an employer and as a friend. In a lot of cases, I could go, what's wrong? You don't seem normal because you know your energy levels are really low and everything. And in a Zoom meeting, I'm only gonna see, I might see some of that, but that might only be 20 minutes that day. Whereas the employers uh, and the managers will be able to see people in their you know walking around what they're doing, and they may be able to pick up on health health issues. And I know people we used to um, confide, employees would confide and say, I'm going through a personal issue. Thanks for asking, I'm going through. So how are employers? going to because christina's right it's not going to change we're all going to be working from home a lot more than we used to do so how are the employers going to be able to develop that human side of being able to finding the trigger you know seeing the triggers or seeing the red flags not the triggers the red flags um where people are going through something is there some some program or something they can do to to help that
2: yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I, I spend a lot of time thinking about it because there is still a great majority of people, workers, that um, are worried that if they're unwell at work, that, you know, if they're not fit to do their job, then there are policies that say, if you're not fit to do your, you know, your, your inherent requirements of your substantive job, then we can actually terminate you on medical grounds. And you think about mental health and it's just taken us 10 or more years to try and m- minimise some of the stigma, but it hasn't gone and people are nervous to speak up. Um, so they kind of, to my earlier point, hide at home. I, we have a very open, transparent um, workplace at Totium and anyone can feel very safe. To say, I'm not well, I'm going through X, Y, and Z. But they know that. And in fact, when we onboard them, I, I do a sort of an all-teams talk and says, Yeah, I, we're we're a healthcare business. If you can't come to me and say, I'm actually really not very well, um, we've got really big problems. So I think the greatest thing that companies can do as a blanket rule is have that ability to be open non-judgmental and know what to do within information because we're not all trained doctors and i'm not trained in psychiatry so if someone comes to me and says i um i've been trying to lose weight and i can't stop throwing up and i've been throwing up for three months and i think i've got something wrong i am not the person to to look after that but i absolutely know what to do and and so as a population of workers being open and saying, you're welcome to work here. You can tell us when you're sick. If they don't, it becomes a performance issue. And we've all seen companies that quickly performance manage people that aren't going very well. Um, And then knowing what to do with that information and not trying to fix everything, but knowing where to triage. Yeah, you talked
0: earlier about input versus output and i'm all for i'm all for an output based culture but that comes with its risks as well if you're able to get the output or the kpi done in 3 days and you're getting paid five lucky you but there are a lot of people that it will take them 10 days to get the mm. output of five and that will lead to potentially burnout and other things where does personal responsibility sit with all of this, and where does the line? Where's the line between management responsibility, somebody is overwhelmed or not performing, and personal responsibility? Because those lines are getting blurred.
2: They are, um, and I, I'm going to throw a real spanner in the works here, ladies. We have just um, we have just discarded all of our job descriptions and position descriptions at Totium because they change. They've changed. So much, and by the time you finish rewriting one, someone else is in the business because we're rebuilding, and they're going to do a bit of that person's job. And so, what we have done, and I'm I'm really proud that we've done it this way, is we have um, a two-up kind of policy that people two up from you or in in my case I'm the leader and I report to an advisor Um, you know the leadership team under me ask me and we sit every three months and we we ask each other what are the three major things we're hoping to achieve this quarter and it's just a 12-week thing we know in medicine and in health stuff can really change in 12 weeks you can overhaul your entire well-being in 12 weeks if you really want to and we just have this output so output not in the sense of Productivity, but we we say to someone, "What are your three big goals?" and and that's how they get rewarded their bonuses if they can achieve that in the three months. And we all have agreed that that's a really sensible amount of work and a really great sort of focus on goals. Then, then we're kind of done. The rest of the stuff, you know, it's like putting the big rocks in the vase and then filling it up with all of the little rocks. So that doesn't mean companies need to go and get rid of their position descriptions, but. You know, I think those, con again, it's just about open communication and conversation, like what do you expect from me? I've got my big position description in the next, how often are we going to meet and what are we going to talk about and what are you going to measure and what are you not going to measure? You know, so, and then I know what I have to do and if I can do it in two days, yay for me. And it might take someone longer, but that you would just say to your manager, I, I'm, just, I'm just not firing on all cylinders at the moment. I'm going through... Or whatever breast cancer treatment for example so I'm really happy to have that as my goal it's probably going to take me a bit longer I'll, I'll ask that you don't kind of ride me in week six seven eight nine ten while I'm not quite there and I'll let you know how I'm going along the way I mean what a beautiful conversation to have I get that's not in mining and nursing and manual labor job shift work but by and large open communication and knowing it's safe for you to have that conversation is just so empowering, I think.
0: But those conversations, to be challenging, those conversations only wash for so long because employers are only going to be tolerant of um, less than optimal output for a period of time. And, and everybody has stuff that goes through, that happens in their lives, and we need to be um, empathetic around that and be supportive around that. But if it goes on for a year or more, I yeah,
2: I've just given actually I've just given a medico-legal opinion the hour before this podcast, which is why I had to slightly push it back. I had been asked by a very high profile person, they have long COVID. Unfortunately. They live in a remote area of Australia and work very efficiently doing that, very, very high-profile person um, who, unfortunately, because of where he lives, he hasn't been able to get into any specialist care. Now, that's a topic for a whole other day for 12 months. So the GP wrote the referral this time last year. His appointment with the physician, the general medicine physician, was last week. He travelled, you know, thousands of kilometres to get to the physician. When he got there, he came down with covid and the clinic wouldn't see him. He's gone home. So I've done the Zoom chat this morning. And the employer is like, how long? Like, how much longer does this need to go on? So he came to me as a formal medico legal review of this. And I said to them, well, you know, the reality is he hasn't had any treatment yet. And we know that because of where he lives. And you know where he lives because you employ him. So let's give it four months. I said to them, let's give it four months from the day he sees the physician. He has another appointment for two weeks when he's recovered from this bout of COVID. And after that, we review it in four weeks and I will expect that with some treatment and supportive therapy and a gradual work plan, he'll probably be okay. So then they said to me, what happens at four months if he's not? I said, well, let's just work with that for now because long COVID is, we we don't really know medically. It would be different if it was a broken arm in three months or four months he can't actually do that mining job then then it's time for us to redeploy him or medically retire him or whatever the policy says but they and I said to this um, this guy today it's comforting for your employer to have a framework that they, they, they've been wondering for 12 months what's going on forgetting that you live thousands of kilometers away so I think that again it's open communication and he said what are we going to Do and I said, you're going to get on a call, I'm going to get on a call. He's got insurance, income protection insurance. I said the insurer is going to get on the call and your employer. And I'm just going to say this is what the next four months could look like. And these would be our ideal goal. If we're not quite there, then we'll be a long way further than we are now. So it's that it's framework and an agreed time frame. And if you don't get there, then there are policies that say what the company might do.
1: It is a tough one for companies these days i'm telling you i'm so glad i'm not managing staff anymore because there's there's Mm -hmm. people that have really you know they have sicknesses and they have illnesses and it's and you have to be compassionate as an employer and you have to help them and you have to understand and 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 um listen to them and help them through that right that's the human thing to do but then you have a group (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that have a headache every other day, or something like that, and the resilience isn't there, or they're stressed out about something that because they couldn't handle that exchange with the client, or they couldn't handle now I'm all stressed, so I can't work, and I'm tired, I'm not going to come to work, and blah blah blah. And so, as an employer, because I come I come from the old school of take a panadol and get over it. <laughs> like That time, unfortunately, it wouldn't work in today's environment. Trust me, but it's kind of like, and that's how I grew, grew up in my, when I was working, you know, um, yes, I came to work and sometimes I had a headache and I was tired. And sometimes when I was younger, I was hungover, and I still came to work because that, I had a job to do. But if I was really sick, then that's a whole different ball game. I, I mean, I think that there is um, an issue with be resilience and being able to for people to be resilient to stress and and being prepared for the knockbacks that then do, um, the the knockbacks and the stress that then can cause other um, issues. I mean, we've discussed this before on the podcast before. Where I remember when I was running my search firm, if I got really stressed, had an issue with clients, I would get this white gray mark coming up my you know my gray would come out within a day and that was the effect of my body being internally stressed which who knows what else it did and those are the things that are going to happen but how are we going to like how how does an employer know the difference because it is a minefield how do you know the difference between someone coming in and saying oh i have a massive headache i need to go home and somebody who's really <laughs> you know, <laughs> that you really do need to be compassionate and help I, I find it extremely difficult. We used to just have to get medical certificates, but is it more than that now? Get those I... offline. You can get those online now. <laughs> Correct. And, and it's important
2: to know that stress is, it's a very difficult thing to define, but by and large, it is an individual's perception of their ability to cope with a task at hand. That's actually what stress is. So if you have... Uh, a full day today and just back-to-back meetings, which is what I have had, and I think that's okay. As long as I keep on time and keep going and wrap things up on time, that's a busy day, but it's okay. There would be plenty of people that look at that and think, oh, I can't do that. That is, you know, and they might ring sick in the morning because it's overwhelming to look at that and think, I I can't do that, and then the headache suddenly gets worse or, or presents itself. And that resilience piece is I do think it was a word that was thrown around a lot and no disrespect to resilience practitioners because it's a genuine thing that we can train, like we can train our cardiac muscle. And I feel like prior to the pandemic it was resilience, like there were resilience institutes and things like that and I don't know that anyone ever really got into training people as to how to be resilient it was kind of his buzzword whereas now it really is around you know um christina you're working from home full-time i don't have any visibility of you and i am going to check in with you for half an hour every week <gasps> you know like oh well, that didn't happen when i was in the office no it didn't managing me yeah, we're gonna have difficult conversations around why you didn't come to that meeting on time and you know, and why you look disheveled on the call, because that is not what our ethos is, that's not what our culture is. And and I'm sorry if you're not ready for that conversation, but that's a really sensible conversation that I intend I'm gonna to have to have with you at some point. So I think, I think um even just communicating what might be the expectations and and again it's about people agreeing once people say yeah I get it I get that's what you're going to say and then when it's time for them to hear that you say we, we've agreed on this we agreed on this when you're well and healthy and everything was in order and I'm just calling you and saying it's really not in order at the moment and how can we help So that and the resilience, there are lots of um, trainings and things you can do around resilience. There's loads of courses and, again, it's trying to close that gap between your own, and the word is perception. That person can coach, could come and have 18 meetings today if they wanted to, but it's like how do I get them to think that's okay? And it might be because that's only once a month that that day looks like that. You know, it's all of the... um, it's about the perception and getting people to understand that that's just part of work today it's not every day and having that um agreed position around I think it's difficult conversations actually yeah I think I think a
0: lot of it is around difficult conversations Mm. and this has come up in some of our other our other chats with with other other guests is Mm. we seem to have problems having those difficult conversations we're not very good at articulating what's going on for us we're not yeah we're just not we're not very good at it we need to get no yeah
1: what Yeah. what can companies do right now like what what are some of the things that they can do right now to help change the the landscape yeah.
2: Um I think education is a huge piece. This as I said earlier this is all so new. So what does this look like? What is our policy around like flexible work. When you're in the office, I what hours do I expect you to be here? It's not kind of come in at 10 and leave at six. If, if we if we're in so in our business, it's 8 30 until 4 30. Our first team meeting on a Monday morning is 8 30. And every Monday morning someone's late, someone's hungover, someone's is there at home on the on Zoom because that's one of the days. If you want to work from home you can. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday you ain't in our office 8 30 until 4 30 and that's it. And if if you don't like that, I'm really sorry but that job is actually not for you. Yeah. I'm I'm really want find something else because this is the job actually <laughs> so it's about educating um and the leader it has to come from the leaders this is you know this is what we expect um and then when people see the leaders do it and just like in the old days you never ever saw the boss lead before anyone else he or she never went to the athletics carnival and these days everyone does that which is which is lovely so when the leaders do it it's good so Education, I think um, setting up agreed expectations and and agreeing as to what might happen if you're not meeting those expectations. Um, Healthcare is, you know, I spoke earlier about the lifestyle disease of sitting at home all day. Um, health, Health checks are so important, whether the company does them, sponsors them. There's so much happening digitally. Um, at the risk of plugging totium. You know, we're a digital business with health checks and treatment of disease and prescriptions and referrals and all of that. You can be sitting at home still working and get your health looked after. And then to Christina's earlier point, it's actually your personal responsibility. You know, um, in the pandemic, I lost 25 kilograms in weight working from home because I just thought, you know what, I'm really... Um, I was carrying too much weight. I run a beautiful healthcare business. If I sat at home and went to the fridge all day, that was going to blow out of control. But that's also a bit about my personality. Is like, okay, you're never going to be locked down for 100 days. What can you do in 100 days? That's, you know, that's a long time. It's You know, what is it, 15 weeks or something? Um, and I was like, 15 weeks? That's like 10 kilos. That's what I'm going to do. But not everyone thinks like that. So, and, But not everyone probably even was prompted to think like that. Imagine if someone from the Ministry of Health got up at the start of that 100-day lockdown and said, now, why don't we have a, an Australia-wide challenge of who can lose 5% of their body weight? But we, we were busy thinking about oh, how quickly is this going to spread? So, you know, there is a lot of personal responsibility, but, we can't expect people to do what I do. I'm highly educated in healthcare and health, and very motivated. So not everyone's like that. But if we can help people think differently, we can have massive impact as companies.
1: I think that's a very good point because first of all, I'd like to say that that's annoying that you lost twenty five pounds <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> because <laughs> most of the people I've spoken to, including myself you know gain weight and can't put their high heels on anymore but anyway that's another story but the thing thing is is that if there if there was um it's almost like now people do need to be trained on Mm -hmm. working from home and health and fitness about okay blocking your time off and and this is the time that you're going to be doing the work then have this exercise break and this a, a program because it was all new to everybody. And they didn't think it was gonna go this long or that long. And they didn't think that the world was gonna accept it. So then people are thought kind of at first thinking, oh, this is fun, (laughs) you know, this is fun, I'll do this. But then it became real and then issues became, and then also how many people don't actually go and get their proper health checkups because they are working from home and their doctors might've been in, in the city where they would make time and they're not making time so what are they missing so you know I guess employers could really start thinking about one dealing with companies like your like totem like and having proper programs that they could implement into their work environments to help their employees um, be aware just be aware of you know okay this is what could happen this is how your offices need to be set up this is what you need to start thinking of you know what does a day look like and then what does a week look like
2: yeah i agree and to your point some of the other data that is coming this morning for my newsletter i'm about to write so the national health and medical research counter said fewer people are utilizing both preventive but also emergency health care so we're not out and about as much and something happens and you go to the ed but they're um what this is meaning and what the MRC are worried about is that chronic disease, which we've got so much of, that's a burden of health, you know, the burden of disease in this country is very high. If, if we're not getting any of our sort of routine health checks, our blood pressure and all the things, I say know your numbers and I'll come back to that. Um, If we're not getting those checked, then that burden of chronic disease can just really blow out. So they've said our big fear is that this will lead to higher rates of chronic disease, which ultimately leads to higher death rates. Um, And the literature suggests that the disruption to health service delivery, so lots of places shut down, breast cancer screening places shut down because they're worried about transmission of virus um, and they said this will have the greatest ever long-lasting impact on chronic health co- outcomes beyond the um, COVID-19 pandemic itself. So, again, I'm, I'm covered in goosebumps to think what does that even mean? You know, um, breast screening, for example, in New South Wales, I, I'm probably going to get the numbers wrong, but I'm going to say something like ordinarily would do 70,000 women a month. In New South Wales, where you go to David Jones or wherever and have breast screening, and during the pandemic it went from like seventy thousand a month to one thousand a month, and there were really only the women that were like, "I'm going. I, I'm not. I'm not not going to do that." So you think about that. There's sixty nine thousand women a month, and forgive me if I have got the numbers wrong, but I think that's right are missing their screening for 10 months so you know there's 700,000 women and we know the prevalence of breast cancer is 8% so there are thousands of women running around that are yet to know they um have got breast cancer and we know it's got to be picked up early to save your life so we yeah. just it's it, so it's a nightmare
0: yeah go and get tested get your bloods get your bloods done get your blood pressure regularly tested get your pap tests, Get your breast screens. All so the high
1: that's, that's where companies could be actually the ones that obviously there's a cost to it, but there's a lot of companies that could afford to be able to say to the employees, "We'll pay for your um, your checkups. We'll pay for your screens. We'll pay for you know because at the end, your flu shot, we'll pay for your your flu shot because hey, if they don't get the flu, there's at work. It's to their benefit as well. And yeah. that could be a, um, you know, a benefit for them because um, to everyone at the end of the day, I mean, uh, my doctor here, I'm so fortunate, but she she virtually during COVID, I get a text saying, you need to come in for your checkup. And I'm like, no, I'm good, you know, <laughs> I'm good, I'm good, you know, no, you need, because I'm going COVID, COVID, no, it's all good, you need to come in. Anyway, I came in and I had a melanoma. Mm-hmm. And it was taken off. And I reckon she saved my life. I mean, I could have gone five years without doing anything about it. So that pushed me to do something mm-hmm. dur- during the time. And sometimes, and that, what's the long-term effect if you don't, to mm-hmm. your point of what, what you're saying? So employers can be really helpful by providing that service and you know, providing that support because people do put it off. And what is the percentage between men and women There's pro- that put off? going to the doctor yeah so we know that 74 percent of the working population
2: don't have their own gp that they would go and just have a chat to you know, like when I grew up in Gunnar, my mum and dad had Dr. Harris and Dr. Adams and that's who you went to talk to if you had problems or um, you needed to go and your child had tonsillitis and, and you would you, that's where you would go and you wouldn't go anywhere else. And these days, 74% of workers, and we call a worker, you know, putting voluntary work, volunteer work aside, but there are 12.5 million Australians who work more than 20 hours a week at the moment. So that's probably a worker. That's a lot of people and 74% of them so what's that, nine million people don't have someone that they say, I don't know where I'd go if I got sick. I but think. it's actually hard. There's a bigger issue, and I
0: don't want to go down that rabbit,
2: Warren, yeah. but it's a bigger issue because we can't find a relationship GP. That's right. And back, I agree, Christina, back to Judith's point. And again, it could be controversial. My personal and professional belief in where Todium is a B2B business is I, I believe that corporate Australia or companies in Australia actually could solve our healthcare crisis. They really could. We have infrastructure, education, platforms, digital health, telehealth, people. You know, hook, hook a company into a local pharmacy and get a nurse in the pharmacy and just have a little circle here. The company pays for it. It's much cheaper than a doctor's, um, you know, hourly rate. And we have so many tools to improve healthcare, but it does require, it's a spend and it does require the company to understand the return on that.
1: Well, a healthier workforce is a happier workforce mm-hmm. and one that comes to work <laughs> right, as well. So it's kind of like if they did do that, it would be one, a benefit that uh, others maybe not aren't providing. Yeah. And it would have to make it, well, I would think it would make a big difference to people looking at who they're going to work for on what they provide and the benefits that they provide, especially if they have a family too, because they could also include the family health care.
2: No question.
1: We're reviewing all of that at Totium at the moment and going right down.
2: Our our CFO said to me yesterday, "This is going to cost a fortune." And I said, "We're a healthcare company. We want these people to be well. You know, if we need to pay for a naturopath and that's their preference because they don't want to see an osteopath, then pay for it. Like we're working it out. I'm not saying that's what we're going to do, but we definitely will be heavily investing up to five or six thousand dollars per person. Dare I say to cover their insurance and get them some care because if they get sick We we need them to help other people stay well you know it's just a it's just a, an industry thing for us
1: no I think that's wonderful hey you know what we are running out of time can you believe we could talk <laughs> but this is such an important topic mm-hmm. you know it's um it I, I guess what I just sort of like to sort of if we just sort of each talk about what what we could do what do you think we could do today and to wrap it up or what we've talked about today to move forward as far as um, health and fitness in a work environment. Is there, you know, what could an individual do for, for their own taking and take responsibility for their own health and well being as well as the, the corporate? And I'll start with you, Simone.
2: Thank you. Um, I think the top end of town, the leaders actually need some training so they understand the value proposition. I feel like we ask all of these CEOs to, well, why don't you invest in your people? and they say, oh, well, I, I don't have spend a million dollars when they might. But understand, so train the top end of town because from there it all filters down. We've seen that over and over and over again. And I feel like that ability to have safe and safe is the right word healthy open conversations about when you're not feeling well and how that might affect your performance and having some um, time frames around when you expect to be feeling better and when your company expects you to be back performing and knowing what's going to happen when that doesn't work well it's just an open transparent but very safe conversation to be able to have and I feel like we'll all be so much healthier yeah absolutely Christina Mm think it's about being really intentional. The
0: horse has bolted. The world has changed. We're never going back. We have to adapt to this new world. And if you're floating as a leader and hoping it'll all just sort itself out somehow, uh, that's not how it's going to play out. You need to be intentional. You need to look at your structures. You need to look at your policies and you need to make health and wellbeing part of your culture. Mm, that's correct.
1: Absolutely. I would agree with all that. The, at the end of the day, having the right communication so that people feel comfortable to, to open up and say how they feel and to be able to have that that conversation with your workforce. And also, you know what? It wouldn't hurt if companies would just ask their workforce what they want. <laughs> I guess it's a simple little thing to have that open conversation about the benefits that they want in their, in their packages when they- right? Right. Some people might say I would much prefer to have health covered than, than you know um the gym membership. You know, it would be because yeah. they might do their own thing. So um, you know, we could go on and on about the subject. It's such a great topic. And I hope everybody got some um tips today and, and got a lot out of it. And Simone, thank you so much for for coming. We really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks, Simone. Bye. Thank you for having me. Thanks.
0: For more information about Every Step and our guests, head to everysteppodcast.com. To be notified of new podcasts, please subscribe via your favorite listening platform. And of course, follow us on social media and direct message us to share your ideas about
2: guests or topics.